0: First things first, I'm very nervous get that out there. Um, no, seriously, the weeks coming up, uh, leading up to today, I was in the front row. I found myself taking notes like, all right, greet the church, thank Pastor, thank Brother Charlie. No, but um, seriously, God is good anyways. So with that being said, I just want to thank Pastor, thank Bishop and his family. Uh, I love, love them, and they're a great blessing to me and my family and Brother Moore and his family for what they do for us in this church and for Brother uh, the Reverend Moore for putting this together, giving us the opportunity. Um, I'm going to speak today on a subject that God has placed in my heart, something that I've been dealing with for, for a while and something that I feel like is timely, not, not only for me personally, but for the church. Um, and I'm going to be reading out of a story that is very familiar to a lot of us, something that we've heard, grew up with, um, and that's the story of the Battle of Jericho. So I'm just going to get into it um, right away. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm just going to give you a brief summary of the battle of Jericho, a new generation of Israel marches into a a new land given to them by God. Having needed to cross the river Jordan, they crossed and they made camp. Camped out in the wilderness, two men were sent out into the land and they came across the city of Jericho. The angel of the Lord tells Joshua that they will take the city for God has already given them the victory. So they marched around the city once a day for six days and on the seventh day they marched around seven times. And on the seventh time they let out a great shout and the walls of Jericho came crashing down. Joshua and the Israelites destroyed the city and everything, only sparing gold, silver, bronze, Rahab's family, and their possessions. What I want us to realize is what the Israelites are going through at this moment, not only in the Battle of Jericho, but the journey leading up to it. You see, Moses has passed away. Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites, leading into the new land of Canaan. They've wandered the wilderness, and they've crossed the River Jordan. The Israelites are making every necessary step. They're taking every necessary step to receive the things that God has given them. Which leads me to, my next, to the title, if you're looking for a title. I know a lot of people like titles. Um, it's not who you are, it's what you do. It's not who you are, it's what you do. You see, it's not who you are that defines you, it's what you do that defines you. Who you once were and what God so graciously took you out of is not a definition of who you are. Your pedigree is not good enough. Where you come from is not sufficient to define you. Who you are is seen by the fruits of your labor. Who you are is what you do as an individual and what you do with the things that God has given you. You see, the Israelites were promised this land, a promise that was given to Moses in the first generations fleeing Egypt, a promise that was seen by Moses, but he dies before entering it. In fact, a whole generation had to die off before God knew that his people would do exactly what needed to be done to get to the place where he wanted them to be. Because you see, being told something is yours, is one thing, but being able to take it is another. Being able to muster up the courage and take it when things aren't so simple is another story. You see, the Bible accounts of this story in the Israelites and their conquest of the land of Canaan. For the sake of time, I'm going to be roughly paraphrasing, um, but if you want to follow along, we're we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy, the first chapter, verse 20. This is the uh, New King James Version, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1, verse 20. And I say unto you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. This is Moses speaking to all of Israel, recounting the promises of God. And our key verse, verse 21, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Go up as in the definition of the verb up, to do boldly and possess it as if if it have it or to take it as it belongs to you. Something the Israelites didn't initially do, as we'll read in the next couple of verses. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. Verse 22, and every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and them search out the land for us and bring back word to us by the way way which we should go and to the cities into which we shall come. The next couple of verses play out that plan and shows success. Then Moses proceeds to drop this on him in verse 26 and 27. Verse 26, nevertheless, you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Verse 27, And you complained in your tents and said, Because of the Lord has hated us, he has brought us out into the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. You see, even with the spoken word of God, this assurance still wasn't good enough to to displace their fear. Even though that they knew this promised land was theirs and was promised to them, they still didn't have the courage to act and to make that move. Because you see, it's not who you are, it's what you do. You see, God's plans and promises will always be there and are intended for us to take. But along with God's timing and the situation you're currently in, it takes action on our part. Because you see, the Bible tells us the promises are yea and amen. You see, throughout the story of the Israelites, they're instructed to be strong and of good courage. We have to be strong and of good courage through the fight. We have to be strong and of good courage through what we're going to go through to get to where God wants us to be. There has to be a willingness and a sense of faith and obedience that will allow God to see that we are ready and able to do what he wants us to do to get to the things he's promised us. So we fast forward. Let us fast forward to the book of Joshua, the first chapter. And this is a quick summary. Joshua has received God's command and spreads word throughout the people of Israel. Now the part we're going to look at is when it came time for Joshua and the Israelites to cross the river Jordan. Now here's the direction. This is Joshua chapter three, verse six through eight. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before your people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in all sight of Israel that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. You see, we can look at this as another Red Sea moment for the Israelites. What I, want to, what I want us to realize was what was required for this miracle to take place. Now, the direction was specific, taking into full consideration that they needed to cross the River Jordan that was flooded at the time. The Bible tells us that the river was flooded as it's flooded always during the time of the harvest. Now, that's important because the, the River Jordan was only dried up only dried up once the moment, at the moment God saw that they were committed. It wasn't until they took that step of faith, it wasn't until they took their Ark of the Covenant and waded out into the midst of the floodwaters before the river dried up, before they took that step with utmost obedience and faith, knowing that going out into the floodwaters, that there is a possibility that they could be washed away. And it wasn't just the random, random individuals that were out in front. No, there were four priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant carrying the ark that held everything that was important to the, to the Israelites, everything that they had done, the monuments that w- of, of the accomplishments they had, they took that out and Joshua instructed them to go out into the midst of the floodwaters. And it wasn't until then that the miracle took place. So just like the Israelites crossing the Jordan, overtaking the, overtaking the city of, uh, of, of Jericho and crossing the river Jordan, we need to act. As Moses said, we need to go up and possess it. Yes, God allowed this to happen. And yes, God helped them. But it was only until God saw Joshua and the Israelites were ready to go out in faith and complete obedience. You see, God has everything for us. You see, God has promises for us that he's given to us. Countless times he's promised them to us. But it's until he sees that we're going to do everything that we need to do to get to where he wants us to be. Because, you see, Moses had the opportunity. You see, Moses had the opportunity to walk into the land of Canaan. He saw it. Can you imagine being there and seeing God's promises so close and yet not being able to grasp it? You see, the only thing that kept them out of, there was their, kept them out of the promised land was their refusal and their fear to walk into it. You see, God needs to see that we're going to do everything and everything he's going to ask us to do with the utmost obedience and faith. So with that being said, it's not who we are, it's what we do. We need, to, we need to be strong in taking the things that God has for us and have faith that God will do all that he promises us to do, because he will. You see, the worst thing that we could do is, is receive a promise and yet not take it. For a lot of us, we're looking for promises that God has promised us, but in, in, in reality, he's already done it. You see, but it's up to us to act and take part. Sister Rosie um, said this morning that we need, a, we need to fight and not be afraid. Moses tells us to not be afraid, to have good courage and to be strong, because the time's going to come where we're going to have to take it by force, because it's not just going to be given to us in, in a palm of our hands. You see, it wasn't God's plan for them to stay on the west side of the Jordan. They were supposed to cross. You see, it wasn't God's plan for them to stay on the east side of the Jordan in a city that they created in monument of their accomplishments. You see, they, they instilled this city called um, Gilgal, I believe, and Gilgal means the city of 12 stones. You see, a city that was placed just to honor the Israelites and the, and the accomplishments that they've done. You see, that wasn't God's will. It was, it was God's will for them to keep going. You see, even though that they were entering into the Promised Land, they hadn't yet full hadn't yet grasped the full nature of the promise. You see, there's places and things that God has for you that might not be yours, and they might not be presented to you yet. You, as a matter of fact, there might be somebody in that position. There might be somebody already in, uh, being used in that area. There might be somebody already giving effort into that, but yet God told the Israelites to take Jericho. You see, God told the Israelites to overtake that city, and it was given to them. You see, Jericho was a flourishing town. In the, in, in the, in the valley of, of Jericho, you know, people came to Jericho and, and, and were looking for imports and exports, and they traded, and it was a, a successful city, but yet God gave it to the Israelites. Now, they had to act and take that step of faith and march around the city for, for six days and seven times on the seventh day, you see, God left it in their hands. And we see what happens if we don't take action. We don't want we don't, we to don't be Moses sitting on, on Mount ne- uh, ne- Nebo and looking at the promised land and being, you know, only if I was willing. Only if I was able to take that step. Only if I was obedient. If only I was obedient to take that step and march <laughs> into, put away my fears, put away my, under, my understandings and just know that God has it for me and God's going to do it. You see, you see, God told Moses that he was going to rebel. And God told Moses that Joshua was going to go into the land of Canaan. And Joshua and the Israelites and his generation were going to take that promise. You see, Joshua had an understanding. Joshua knew that what he needed to do was everything that God wanted him to do. And when you realize that, you realize that, everything that you, every, every understanding that you have needs to be pushed to the side and just know that God is going to take you. Um, and I'm wrapping up. I know I didn't have much time. Um, but if we could stand. I know in this time that we're in, we hear all these uh, stories of the killings and the shootings. And this world has always been bad and always been wicked, but the times we're heading in are definitely in the end times. So with all these terrible things happening in this crazy world that we're in, let this be our prayer. God, give us the strength, not only to walk in your will, but to do what you require of us. That we may step out in faith like the Israelites did and go up and take what you have given us. Thank you for everything that you have done up to this point. And thank you for all that you're going to do for me. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you.
1: seated. You may be seated. He didn't touch it, so I will. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Pastor Moore. Thank you, wife. I was sitting over there and oh also thank you church for your prayers for your support that uh you'll never know how much that means i've always been on your side of the offering prayers uh when you're on this side of it <clears throat> it, it it brings a comfort you don't really think so thank you i told Bishop, I didn't want to do this. I feel like I have nothing to offer you. Thankfully, in his wisdom, he didn't let me get out of it. Because that's changed and I do feel I have something for you. And as I heard Brother Mario speak, everything that I planned to say today, God laughed at me. Because I was going to tell you, well, it doesn't matter what I was going to tell you. But it's so hard. It's been so hard this last year, not, not just with losing the baby, but before that. <clears throat> Having my heart attack last year, I said, you know what? That's on me. I'm overweight. I stopped exercising. I eat horrible. That's my fault. Then I start doing all the right things, and I feel like God said, I'm going to heal you. I have people saying, God's going to heal you. And then a few months ago, my heart goes crazy again. I'm doing everything right. And I'm like, really, God? I thought you were healing me over this. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. And I'm just going to tell you how it is, because I can never come up here and be false to you. I'm just always going to tell you what's real, and you're going to like it. You're going to hate it use it, throw it away, do your checkbook. I'm just going to be real. This last year, really the last six months, my faith meter, if people have faith meters, has been super low. And I've not gone through things that, because you know how we like to compare tragedies, my tragedies, to me, are not as great as some of you faced. Yet I see you coming to church, and you're smiling, and you're praising, and I'm sitting over there saying, whatever, I'm here. I lift my hands, I try to worship, it's, it's futile. I felt like it was just no use, but thankfully, my wife is not like Job's wife, because if she was, you wouldn't be seeing me. I would have cursed God and died a long time ago, but you know what? I was dying spiritually. Yeah, I still felt God every now and then, but that's more of a tribute to how awesome our church is, how awesome our leadership is. It had nothing to do with me. Because in my mind, in my heart, I wasn't here. I didn't want to be here. Because I lost faith in God. I stopped trusting him. I didn't feel like I could trust him. And I felt like I was the only one. But... God has been showing me, even through losing our baby, that I'm not the only one hurting. The devil likes us to be isolated. The devil likes us to feel like we're the only ones. Nobody else understands. You may have had a heart attack, but your heart attack wasn't like mine. The only small problems are someone else's problems, right? Right? I started magnifying my situation because I lost my trust in God. I'm just being very honest, very blunt. And even up to yesterday, last night, trying to study something and and trying to put something together, I I was like, you know what? Whatever. God, I'm going to pray about it. I feel like this is what I'm going to say. I felt like I got confirmation on it. And then this morning, as he's giving his teaching, God said, now all that stuff you have, I did confirm it. It was good, but we're going to change it. So Hebrews 11, and I don't know how much I'm going to read, like I said, I'm just now looking at it. What is faith? I'm reading from the, uh, the Living Bible translation. Uh, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. By faith, by believing in God, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things were made of God's command and that they were all made from things that cannot be seen. It was by faith that Abel obeyed God and and brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did. By faith, Abel did that. Abel got murdered. He trusted God. He was doing the right thing. He lost his life. Faith is not a promise that life is going to be okay. Having trust in God is not a promise that everything is going to be rosy. It was by uh, Enoch, verse 5. I'll be skipping around. Enoch trusted God too, and that is why God took him away to heaven without dying. He didn't die. He didn't go back home either. Everyone in his life that loved him suffered a loss because he had faith. To those that were left behind, him being taken up, that wasn't a miracle, that was tragedy. But he had faith. We have to get out of the mindset that just because we live for God, just because we feel we have this awesome relationship with God, and some of us do, that everything is going to be awesome in our lives. Life happens. Life is tough. Life sometimes gets unbearable. But trusting God is knowing that even though life is tough, even though everything's not happening the way I want it to happen, I'm going to make it. to go down. Abraham, verse 8, trusted God. And people will like to say Abraham had real good faith. He had mighty faith. But I believe there's also a point where Abraham laughed at God. Or didn't believe him rather. Sarah, too, had faith. She definitely laughed at God.
0: Whatever.
1: (laughs) Whatever. I've been there. The Wednesday I took my wife to the hospital, <clears throat> they said, there's no heartbeat. And then the doctor came out and said, there's, a, uh, there's not much of a heartbeat. And then he changed it again at the end and said, there is no heartbeat. It's like, why are you toying with our emotions? Is there or isn't there? And my wife said to me, maybe God's going to perform a miracle And we'll go to the doctor on Friday, and things will be different. And I said, I don't believe in, I don't believe God for that. I don't trust God for that. Those words came out of my mouth. I was at my lowest point. I had already been struggling with other things. <clears throat> my faith wasn't there. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome. I'm not saying that God allowed the baby to die because of me. What I'm saying is that I have a relationship with God. I've been through things with God. But there was still a point where my faith was not enough. My trust in God was not enough and I failed him. If you believe in God, then you have to believe in Satan. And you have to know that he's after you. You have to know that he wants to destroy you. And if you believe in a fair fight, then you better change your way of thinking. Because the devil does not fight fair. The devil doesn't care about your feelings. The devil doesn't care what he destroys in your life as long as the outcome is you give up on God. And Wednesday night, not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before that, sitting in that hospital emergency room parking lot, after being told, by God, that when my wife got pregnant, I knew before she did because God told me. We were excited. I, I I love my kids, but this one, there was just something different, just something different about knowing that, wow, this is awesome, because I know how much joy my other two have brought me that this third child was just going to be we were all going to be able to love it and experience it. And, <clears throat> and in my mind, when the doctors were telling us that, God, you told me this was going to happen. And now, you, you told me my wife was pregnant. And you told me before she even knew. So why would you let this happen? And in that parking lot, at that moment, after having been given that news, I failed God. I lost my trust in him. I lost my faith in him. There's no way to sugarcoat that. There's no way to tell you that I dug down deep and I said, Lord's will be done. If one more person would have told me God knows everything and there's a purpose, I would have probably punched him in the mouth. And then you could have told me what the purpose was in me punching you in the mouth. Don't react. Don't get angry. God has a plan for me punching you in the mouth. When life happens, we react. Sometimes we react the way we're supposed to, and sometimes we react the way that we were created emotionally with feelings. And I'm sorry, my feelings were hurt. I was devastated. My wife was devastated. I couldn't do anything to comfort her. All I could do was just sit there and cry with her. And I promise you, I'm going to try to spin this into something positive. (laughs) But for now, I'm just going with it. Verse 13, these men of faith, I have mentioned, died without ever receiving all that God promised them. But they saw it all waiting, waiting on them, or waiting them on ahead, and were glad, for they agreed that this earth was not their real home, but that they were just strangers visiting down here.
0: <clears throat>
1: Our kids took it really hard, a lot harder than I would have even imagined. And a few days later, Logan comes up to me, and I'm laying in the bed, And he comes up and he lays up next to me and he starts talking to me. And I ask him, Logan, how are you doing? And he said some things that I won't share. But then the one thing that he said was, Dad, does this mean that the baby is in heaven now? I explained to him, yes, it does mean that, Logan. There was a heartbeat. The baby died. That means the baby is in heaven now. He said, so will the baby know us when we make it to heaven? He has no idea what that did to me. And now I know what what the Bible says. If we could sometimes just come to him as a child. If we could just humble ourselves and say, God... I don't understand. God, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. Just get there. Logan will never know how much he, more than words from Bishop, more than words from any minister, how much a 10-year-old kid did to keep me from just losing it and and I know there's people here who have suffered this multiple times and and I'm not saying that mine tragedy is more unbearable than anybody else's but this one is mine and even uh, this last Wednesday last Wednesday made full week and uh I was sitting, sitting where we usually sit. And I just started feeling anxiety. My heart started racing. I started sweating like crazy. And at that moment, it was either I was going to get up, walk out of church, and deal with things on my own, or I was going to get up and try to give it to God. Either I was going to have faith in myself and that I could handle this and get through it, or I was going to put my faith and my trust back into God and let him help me through it. And when I stood up, I didn't know which direction I was going. I took a step or two forward, asked Brother Lowe to pray with me, told him everything that I was feeling, and then Brother Jeremy comes up here and starts preaching on the very thing that I just asked Brother Lowe to help me pray over. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you again. You see, and you're probably counting time from Wednesday to Wednesday, but I'm counting time from almost six months, almost a year ago. I didn't just lose my faith and then turn back around. Losing the baby was the pivotal point. Losing the baby was the lowest point. I had already begun to lose my faith in God. I had already begun to lose my trust in God. And then that final blow, because the devil knows just what to do. That, that final blow, I'm sorry, I, I'm, my name's not Job. My name's not Jesus. I can only react like Mark. I don't know if you've ever been at the point where you started questioning, not just, God, why me? Because I've never asked that, never, why me? Uh, Because I wouldn't wish what I've had to go through in life on anyone else. So I don't ask, why me? But sometimes I do want some clarification, God, why anyway? I know the Bible says that all things work together for the good, But what good can come of some of the things that I've gone through? Time will tell. If you were waiting for me to give you that answer, I don't have it. But time will tell. If nothing else, and I will go to the original text that I had last night. Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have you to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded for prayer, or I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. So if for no other reason If for no other sane reason that I can give you, no other physical, tangible explanation I can give you, sometimes faith will bring us through things that we won't be able to explain. We won't be able to see the good in. But when we repent, because if you're like me, you're going to fail God. Your faith will fail. But God has prayed for you also that it will not completely fail. And though I felt like my faith in God and my trust in God had completely failed, God had been praying for me also. Because he knew what was coming. He knew what was up ahead. Eventually, I'll be able to strengthen some of you Some of you that have gone through it have already been a strength to me. Because if for no other reason strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers, I can tell you that even in my mind had had I gone through this without knowing God, without having had trust in God, then I would have put my trust in vodka and Vodka would have made me wake up feeling more miserable with the same issues. I said, okay, God, I see the difference. And I've told people this. Hey, think of your worst day without God and how you handled it back then. And now think of your your worst day with God since you've come to know God and how you've handled it and how you've come through it. Living for God doesn't change life. Life is still going to be rough. Life is still going to be hard. We still fight an enemy that does not fight fair. But when you stay with God, even when your faith fails, even when your trust in God falters, if you just keep doing the things that you know to do, even when you don't want to, God's going to make a way. You're going to figure it out. God's going to have a point where you're going to come back to him and say, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. Lord, help me to build up my faith again. And that's what last Wednesday was to me. It was a rebuilding point. It was a starting point. And you have to get there. If you have been or are where I was, then you need to get to this point where you can say, God, okay, whether it's now, whether it's the next part of this service, but you need to find a place and find time to say, God, I trust you again. God, I believe in you again. And even though life is still going to happen, I don't know what com- what's coming ahead. There may be more tragedy ahead. I-, I don't know, but I know that God has brought me through already the worst time in my life. Let's be clear. I'm not over it. It still hurts. But I have trust that God is working things out. And one of the thoughts that comes to my head, and this could just be me, so I'm not saying this is God. You know, when we first found out, we knew that having a baby at my wife's age, uh, 43, was risky. It's just it's life. And I told her, just like I told her when she was pregnant with Keaton just like I told her when she was pregnant with Logan. If it comes down to it, and I have to make a decision, I will always choose you over the baby. If the doctor was to come to me and say, I can only save one of them, I'm sorry, you can disagree with me. I choose my wife over the baby. And I told her this, and she knew this going into it. So maybe God saved my wife from hating me later on in the future. I don't know, but even now, it's a battle in my mind, you know, did I say the right things, did I do God's will? I don't know. All I do know is that I did what I felt God is telling me to do. Satan desires you. So when he hits you, and he hits you so hard that you don't think you can ever get up again, if you need to, lay on the mat for a little while. Get your bearings. But then get up. Get up and go back to God. Go back to your corner where God can fix you up, patch you up, and you're ready for the next round because even though God brought me back up right now, I know there's another fight coming. Bishop just said things are changing around here. Things are changing around here. The devil is desperate. If the things around that are happening around the world don't let you know that the devil is desperate, then you're blind. It is a desperate hour. Every generation talks about the end time and Jesus coming back. And every time we say, I believe we're closer than we were before. And every time it is correct. But the devil is desperate. There are things happening right now that we don't see behind the scenes. And the chaos is just smoke and mirrors. It's all part of Satan's plan to really and truly to take you down as individuals. Anyway, my time is up. If you want to uh I don't know how we usually transition um, go ahead and stand. and we'll just we'll just take a couple minutes just to uh, pray and thank God for what He's done. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, Lord Jesus God. I pray, Lord, that you would have used my words, God, to touch those that are here. God, bring comfort to those that are hurting, God. Those that have suffered tragedy, Lord, be their comfort, Lord. Be their strength, God. I ask, Lord, that your anointing would move upon them, Lord. Strengthen their courage, Lord. Strengthen their hearts, my God. Be a shield on their minds, Lord Jesus. God, in your name, Lord, in your name, God, I pray, Lord, that you build up their faith again, Lord Jesus. Build up our trust again, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you've done, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, and not just my life, Lord, but the lives of everyone here. I thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing, Lord. I thank you, my God. Be our strength, Lord. Be our comfort, Lord. God, we put our trust in you, Lord. God, help us, Jesus, in your name.